Hi everyone, welcome to the Spencer Lodge podcast. I'm your host Spencer Lodge and it's my job to make the time you're about to give me as valuable as possible. My job here is to share content I've made across all of my endeavors and ventures as an entrepreneur and bring you stories, lessons and insights from my conversations with some great achievers in business and personal development. I'm an author, CEO of the Blue Sky Thinking Group here in Dubai, and I'm a really passionate content creator. Also on my own creative journey, and with so much going on, this show is a way for me to funnel out value from all of the work my team and I are doing so that we can share it with our audiences online in an easy audio format. For those that attend my seminars or follow me on social media, this is just some extra material to get stuck into on your own journey in business, sales, personal development, or whatever aspect you're working on and improving your life. In today's episode, I'll be doing that by sharing an interview I did with Umar bin Farouk, who is the CEO of a company called One Broker Group here in Dubai, UAE. So he's a real estate uh, industry guy. We recorded it just uh, a few days ago, actually. You know, it was literally this week that we recorded it. And being a real estate guy in Dubai means that Umar is a guy that understands a really fast-paced industry that is hugely competitive. He's a very well-known figure in that industry where we introduced through actually some of his um, employees, actually, it was a long time ago, his employees introduced us. Uh, But I'll share more on that when I come back at the end of the interview. Now, the interview lasts around 45 minutes and I really enjoyed it because Umer literally opened up, bared his soul and told us honestly about what had happened to him after arriving here many years ago with a few dollars in his pocket and how he became successful, more importantly, how it went horribly wrong and then how he rebuilt it again. And he's really open talking about the mistakes he made. There's some real real takeaways in there, you know, really honest, humble takeaways. And it was a real privilege spending time with him. Now, if you've enjoyed several of these podcasts or it's your first one, I'd really love for you to rate and review the show. Ideally, a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or some love in SoundCloud comments. You know, it all helps to get the show discovered. And also do me a favor. If you're listening to this episode right now and uh, and it's safe wherever you are, so you're not driving, okay, or you're not at risk of falling off a treadmill or cutting yourself while cooking, please grab your phone and send me a DM on Instagram at spencer.lodge or email me at sl at make-it-happen.com. I love the ratings and reviews, but one thing I never expected was all the messages and comments on my social media, and I love it and just would like more. I don't want to bring more value to you. Also, if you're on Facebook, then check me out there at Spencer Lodge Official. Any way you can contact me directly, please do. I can't wait to hear from you. So if you're ready to get stuck in, I really hope you enjoy my interview with Umar bin Farouk. Okay, remember at the end of the interview, I'll be back to tell you more about how the interview took place, what I've learned and applied, and share a few extra notes about the content. Thanks for coming to the show. Thanks for inviting me, Spencer. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I've, I've been uh, following your podcast uh, recently. I'm also your follower in Instagram and Facebook. And it's all, always uh, very motivational uh, to hear, hear you. And when you come to the office, I promise you that is when I see my office most excited. So thanks for that. Loving it. Thank you so much. <laughs> so we're here to talk about you today and, and for my audience to learn about your story. 
Now, I know you as a successful real estate guy, and I also know that you face some challenges along the way, but if we kind of like go right back to the beginning. So my assumption is that your parents were extremely rich, they gave you a silver spoon, you came to Dubai, they bought you a palace in Emirates Hills and <laughs> invested $10 million <laughs> in a business for you. Is that what happened? Uh, yeah, something close to this happened. Uh, well, I come from a very, um, uh, I, I come from a business class family, a very humble background. Uh, my father has a, a decent business in, in back back home. Uh, he sent me to the boarding school. He could not uh, let me stay at home. I was little naughty when I was a kid. <laughs> Were you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he sent me to the boarding school. So then uh, once I passed my high school, uh, came to Dubai, I had about uh, 2,100 dirhams in my pocket. I came here for vacation. My uh, sister got married. She was in the UK. They got married. Hold they, on, you came here for a vacation? I actually came here for vacation. And stayed? Uh, yes. Oh, yes. wow. So to my uh, good luck, I was, I was actually going out with one of my friends for, uh, for, uh, for a party. And he said, I'm going to meet a client. So okay, I'll come with you. Uh, so we m met uh, this gentleman, Australian guy in Media City. Uh, chatted with him. I have an IT background. So he was talking about smart homes, home automation. That's my, that was my background. So he said, uh, okay, are you here to work? So, you know, like a sales guy, I said, yes, I'm, I'm looking for a job. So we started talking. He said, why don't you join me from tomorrow? Uh, went back home, said, okay. I confirmed, I said, okay, I'll start from tomorrow. Had no plans of working in Dubai. I was planning to go to UK for my master's. So graduation is all I have done in my life. And um, then I stayed here. So we started at... How, uh, how old were you when you came here? When, when I came, it was back in 2004. So I was 24 years old. Okay. And But I was working in India. I had, after my high school, I was working in a call center, you know, in 1999 till 2004, five. Uh, there was a boom of call centers in mm. India. Hello, sir. So <laughs> <laughs> you would hear that. Was it true that, they, they, that you had to learn about what the soap operas were in English to Eng England? Yes, so you yes. Could, we, we so you had to learn about EastEnders and Coronation Street and stuff. Of course, we, we, we used to have these uh, process trainers and we used to have these accent trainers and people would come and teach you accent. Imagine an accent like this of coming from an Indian who has, not, who has always lived in India. So we would uh, get the accent trainers and they will focus on our intonation, syllable stress and... Uh, all of it. So, yeah. And we used to, I used to work like from 12 at night to 7 in the morning, uh, mostly in US uh, shifts. Really? So, yeah. How, and you did that for a few years? I, I did that. I started as a caller uh, for, uh, for a year and a half, and then I became a process trainer. And yeah, that was my, till 2004, I was there. That's when I saved this 2,100 dirhams to come to Dubai. <laughs> that was my saving. All right, so then you, so you meet this guy and he gives you a job. What's the job? So it was uh, uh, basically introducing smart homes in Dubai back in days when we used to meet people and talk about smart homes, home automation, and uh, people would say it's, it's unreal. When I will tell them, okay, you can control, you can uh, change, you can turn off the light when you're sitting in UK and you can turn off uh, the lights in your Palm Villa, they would say, how is that possible? Uh, so, so we started from there. We didn't do much of a business, to be honest, because it was a very new idea for the market. And uh, I mean, but this gentleman used to buy and sell a lot of properties. 
So I told him, you buy and sell a lot of properties. Uh, and he used to pay me 5,500 uh, salary. 5,500 yeah. dirhams a month. Yeah, that was my salary. And um, I told him, you're paying me the salary. And uh, so why don't you do this? You buy and sell a lot of properties. And uh, why don't you tell me what you're looking to buy? I will outsource it for you. And you're paying 2%. Give me 1%. I'll give you half of that 1% back to you. And don't pay me the salary. And he was like, are you sure? I said, absolutely. I said, give me a chance. So he said, okay, let's start it. So then he used to buy and sell properties through me. That happened for two, three months. And then after, after that, I told him, I said, why don't we open our own real estate company? He said, uh, who's going to manage it? I said, this guy in front of you will manage it. <laughs> I said, now I have the experience. I was young. And, but I was, I've always been hardworking. Uh, whenever I take a task uh, or I work, I work with a lot of passion. That's me. Even if I'm in a relationship, I'll always be passionate about any kind of relationship, whether it's my friends, uh, my family. I'm always passionate about things. So that's that's uh, when I started. Uh, so okay. So so it was like so we were talking about the names, what name to give the real estate company. Uh, so one of my favorite characters was Sherlock Holmes. Okay. So I said, why don't we call it Sherlock Holmes? <laughs> he laughed and he said, are you sure? I said, absolutely. Did I you said, really? Oh, yeah. I said, I said, you can't have a better name than Sherlock Holmes. Amazing. Uh, then I, uh, I realized that I need to improve. Yeah. Uh, then I joined, um, back in days, it was Imar Property Services. And uh, they had, Imar Property Services had bought Hamptons. Uh, went into Hamptons as an executive. Uh, had a good run. Uh, learned a lot in Hamptons and Imar is like a, it's an institution and you get into Imar uh, you will learn you learn a corporate culture you will learn everything about properties and it was that was a good learning experience for me when they started off as an agent became one of the top performers uh, and I, I in fact got awarded also in 2007 2008 as the highest selling uh, agent in Dubai and uh, had a good run and uh, in 2000, by 2007 and 2008, I had become an investor. I had started buying and selling properties, you know. So what, with the money you made being a real estate broker, you then started to buy and sell your own? Yes. See, uh, back in the days, uh, there was a lot of opportunity. And still, I still believe that there is a lot of opportunity in the market for brokers. You just, you always need to have a, a vision in your life. Once you set your vision, uh, you work accordingly on it. Uh, so... I, I worked hard. Uh, there were a lot of my friends, uh, my colleagues that were there, and uh, they were equally good. Uh, I kind of outshined uh, in the group was I was a little more hardworking uh, than them. Some of them were more intelligent than me. They were much more smarter than me. I was just my edge over them was just that I was a little bit more hardworking. That's all. So I started there 2008, 2009 because of the global recession. Everyone lost the money. I had made some wrong decisions. I was not informed. I was like, you give 24, 25 years old uh, kid uh, millions in his hand. Uh, what do you expect him to do? At least I blew off my money in properties. Uh, so I made some wrong decisions, learned from it. and. Uh, so, so that money you've made, being a real estate broker, you invested it then in real estate yourself, yeah. thinking that you could make some money. And then when 2008 and 2009 came, you, with your infinite wisdom, had made some poor choices and yeah. you lost all you made. Oh, yeah, pretty much. Pretty a, much. A I had, yeah, yeah. 
So it was it was like you have to. I had to start from minus because you know I had bought properties wherein I had to make payments. Yeah. So it was not plus; it was in minus. So I started again. Uh, uh, back then, one thing that uh, I this is this is like my everyday, uh, and I genuinely tell uh, myself every day. You know, whenever I feel down, I always go back to the thing: Why did I start? So when you go back to the thing, the very reason why you started, you will you will move on. So when you when you lost that money on those real estate investments. Did you just brush it off or did it take you to a dark place for a while? Did you start questioning stuff, you know, question your decision making or uh, question all that money that you just blown? It, it did. So I had uh, one of my very, very close friends, uh, Sultan. So we both of us. Uh, so there were two ways uh, we could uh, we could come out of this. One was to sit down and cry and which uh, we did not try but we were sad for a long time and other one was to get up and uh, fight and uh, make uh, make it again so that's what we did uh, there was a initially there was a phase wherein we were depressed uh, i didn't know what to do i was like okay i have lost i felt like a loser sometimes you know you start questioning yourself and that's the most dangerous thing uh, that you do to yourself when you start questioning yourself you start questioning your abilities sometimes uh, then you go back and you you think okay when i made these decisions was it was it a right time and was it a right decision at that time? Yeah. You go back and say, yes, it was a good decision. It was a right decision. It's just a bad timing. I should have been a little more careful. So you learn from your mistakes. So it, it was pretty hard for uh, us to go through, through this. But then uh, both of us uh, worked very hard again. And we came out. We came out. And we, this time, we were better. And this time I was preparing myself to uh, make a bigger mistake. So you, you lived and you learned, you made some mistakes, and so you put it down to experience. And you were working at Hamptons and your wife got pregnant. How, how far gone was she before you dropped a bombshell on her? <coughs> she was in her seventh month. and uh, Seven I, months pregnant? Yes, yeah, seven months pregnant. And um, so I went home. I said... Um, uh, I should have discussed it with you, but then um, I've taken the decision that I'm moving on in my life. Uh, and she was like, as in what? I said, I've quit my job and I'm going to start my own company. Um, she was sad initially. I said, I said, don't worry. We are fine. I have, uh, we, have we are good. Uh, I won't make, I don't think it's a wrong decision. I really want to give myself a chance and uh, do what I would want to do. Um, so she uh, she was really really uh, supportive, even though she's a doctor, so she understands you know a sick a sick person. <laughs> 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 so uh, yeah, so she really supported me, and then uh, and my kid. Uh, so a woman who's seven months pregnant, yeah. about to go on maternity leave, then her husband says, "I'm leaving." I'm sure. Hamptons being a well-known brand would have given her some comfort because it was a respected brand. Right. And I'm leaving and I'm going to go and set up on my own. Did you set up on your own or did you set up in partnership with somebody? I, um, I set it up in, in partnership. Okay, so your business partner you went into business with, how long had you known this person? I had known him for uh, uh, three, four years and he used to work for, uh, for me in Hamptons. 
Okay. So uh, that's how we started. So we started. We had a good uh, We had a good run. Uh, uh, the market again picked up uh, to my good luck. So we started in 2012, and that's when the market ag again started picking up. The reason I took this decision was also because I I could feel that the market is going to pick up now, because in from 2008 till 2012 there was no supply in the market. Everyone had stopped uh, launching new projects. So that gap. If you see year on year, the population was increasing and there was no new supply. So the reason why the market picked up was one of the reasons was, yes, when Dubai announced in 2013, 2020 Expo, that was, yes, that was, that kind of gave a good vibe in the market. Also, there was a short of supply in the market that time. So market was supposed to pick up. It was, it was, it was uh, imperative that market would pick up. So setting up a business, I guess, when, when the market picked up was a, a good a time as any. Yeah. And, and how much experience did you have at owning your own business before? Uh, I, I had done, see, after, after I left my uh, high school, after I finished my high school, the first thing that I actually did was uh, I, um, I went to my father. I, said, I told him, I said, I want to start my business. So I said, okay, what business do you want? So and I'm, I come from Kashmir. So Kashmir is famous for carpets. Carpets and you know scarves, shawls, pashmina. So that's what I started. I started selling carpets. So you were carpet salesman. Yeah. So I started selling carpets. So I took a small showroom in in Delhi. Started selling carpets. Uh, again, made a loss there. Um, after like s uh, six eight months, told my dad, no, I want to do my uh, bachelor's. He said, okay, go ahead. So. I w and I was surprised. I thought he's gonna, go this mad, man is yeah. gonna uh, go mad, and I'm 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 done here. He said, "Okay, go ahead." I said, "What about all the stuff that we bought to stock?" He said, "Don't worry, I'll take care of it." It's a very uh, 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 so this uh, the nature I have I have actually uh, it's it's a gift from my dad. You know, you never get scared of uh, things. If, if, if I'd have done that with my dad, he'd have chased me around <laughs> the place with a banner in his hand. <laughs> you sort yeah. the problem out yourself, yeah. kid. Okay, so a really supportive dad. So over the years, even though you came here and you didn't have much money and you got your first job just by chance, right. you, you, and, and even though you've made <clears throat> mistakes, right. you've always kind of stayed very positive about everything. See, it starts with my blood group. It's AB positive. <laughs> so I have to be positive. <laughs> uh, in my life, uh, life will always give you a choice. It's, it's, uh, and it, it also goes back to my up upbringing. You know, I, I come from a joint family. So I lived most of my childhood what in a joint family. Joint family. Joint family is like my uncle used to stay with us. My uncle. In India, we have joint families, right? We had a big family of like 17 people. All living in the same property? All, all, all living in the same property. Okay. Crowded house. Yeah, living in one property. So, and, you know, that's when you, you learn uh, 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 tolerance. You know, sometimes you have to do sacrifice. You have your cousin brothers uh, staying with you, cousin sisters staying with you. You buy a chocolate, you have to share it with them. Mm -hmm. You buy uh, whatever you buy, you, have to, you buy a PlayStation, Back in days, it was it used to be Atari. We yeah. used to have media and Atari. Uh, we yeah. used to be Contra. So we used yeah. to get turns. So we had to sacrifice. So my mm -hmm. dad would buy something. I had to share it with them. Or their dad would buy, my uncle would buy something. They mm -hmm. had to share it with me. Yeah. So that, that's when I learned, uh, uh, you know, sometimes it's good to sacrifice things or to give things and to see happiness. 
in other other person's uh, face. By nature, I'm a happy person. I like to be happy. I don't like to be sad. Even though you put me, if you put me in lockup, I promise you, I will be inside and I will crack up a joke mm -hmm. inside. <laughs> I don't like to be sad. That's not me. I I hate being like anyone else. I hate being around negativity. Does uh, that mean that you uh, search for the good in others as well? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Every person has good in him. It's just that sometimes it just you need to connect it right. I'm a salesperson by nature. Uh, but you make me sit with anyone, I will I will break the ice. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it might take me a little long, but I'll break the ice. That's how I am. So up until that point in your life, had what had been the best decision you'd made been in business? What was if you think up until that point, leaving Hampton, starting your own company, going on your own, what had been the best decision you'd made up until then? The first best decision was to uh, uh, you know be convinced with an idea to start a business. Uh -huh. That was, I think, that was the best decision. Had I not taken it then, I don't know. Maybe I would have never taken it after that. It's just that you know that support that I got from my wife also at that point in time. So okay, go ahead. I went in and, my, and my, I spoke to my dad. I always uh, seek his counsel. So I spoke to him. He said, "Go ahead, do it." So I knew that okay, I have a backup plan. My dad is behind me. <laughs> so in case something happens, I go back. Uh, the best decision that was uh, to start a business and and to hire uh, I hired some really really good people uh, but that experience of hiring right uh, people came from my previous job I would never take away that credit from uh, from that company I learned how to recruit someone how to read uh, someone whether it's a good candidate or not so that was uh, that was a good uh, decision that I learned. So Hamptons was a good training ground for you. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, that's good. And so, what was the name of this company you set up? Uh, Ottomans. And where did that name come from? Now, <coughs> so I <coughs> I was checking uh, the names. Like there were uh, names, uh, all the big real estate companies around in the world. You have one name: Hamptons, Foxtons, uh, Chestons, and uh, uh, one name. So what? So I was like confused with the names. Okay, what should I call it? What should I call it? So I had one name called Property Times. So to my good luck, somebody had opened a magazine uh, for yeah. the, with, the, with Property Times. They said we cannot give it to you. So okay. So I was reading about Ottoman Empire. It was one of the biggest empires, yeah. Muslim back then. I said okay. Uh, and Ottoman sounds international, yet it sounds old. It does not sound like a new company. Uh -huh. So when you tell someone Ottomans, uh, they will not think it's what. They will remember the name. It's easy to remember. Yeah. And also, it's something. It sounds old. Okay, they have been there. It's something that you can trust. Yeah. Right. So that's how we started Ottomans International. I have no relation with Turks. Wow. <laughs> and so then. Was it was it was it you one or two people in a little office somewhere down the back end of a street or uh, did you? Did I you started with like well like four of us, uh, so it was me, my partner. I hired one admin and one more person, one more salesperson. We started in Golden Diamond Park, seven hundred square feet of an office, small office, and I was never used to it. A small office, I that was my cabin was bigger than that yeah, <laughs> in my yeah, previous yeah. role, so that's how we started. So we started, we took a bigger office after that, uh, 2,000 square feet, took another office. And then st things started, uh, you know, uh, getting better for me. So Did you enjoy that, that absolutely, part of the journey? Yeah? Absolutely. I have always enjoyed every phase of my life. 
uh, with no with zero regrets even though the decisions that i sometimes made were wrong decisions but uh, okay the, those were my decisions i made the wrong decision and i'm i'm the one who can blame i'm the one who who should be blamed i cannot blame anyone else for my decisions okay so how long was ottomans uh, in business for before the 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 next step so uh, in in 2012 we started ottomans in okay. 2015 we started discussing about uh, combining uh, making a new entity called one broker group so where where did that idea come from the idea came from one of my friends one of my partners masood uh, who is still my partner and uh, my only partner <laughs> so uh, so masood was uh, used to talk to me about uh, this idea we should we should make an entity like one broker group and i also uh, learned that you know um, there was a huge demand in off plan market and dev especially with the developers private developers they they needed a sales team imagine you have you are a developer or you just bought a land and you want to build it you are a developer you're good at that you're good at uh, constructing a building or developing a building you're not good at sales so for you you have to go out and uh, hire people hire sales people what we would do it we will give you a solution for your uh, development okay we will do the sales and marketing for you we have an experience we had like when we started with five companies is what we got together uh, five people and um, it was a beautiful idea i'm still sold on the idea if I, if i get a chance to do it again i'll do it again uh, although uh, we uh, i have seen the toughest phase of my life sometimes when you lose money it's fine sometimes when you have those emotional break- breakdowns even though you have money or uh, whichever position you yeah. are, you are in but you have those emotional uh, breakdowns those are f- uh, far more uh, harmful than losing money losing money you may you lose money today you work hard again you 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 will make it again but those emotional breakdowns are something uh, those are the hard patches mm-hmm. to 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 recover uh, so we started this the idea was great we we had haptur city exclusive uh, we were we doing great we took uh, dukes at oceana and palm uh, anantara and we have few a few other projects that we were uh, uh, doing uh, um, you know selling exclusively so it went well it started well and uh, uh, because we were a lot of partners like eight of us or nine of us uh, there were five different companies that came in together we uh, for initially we were operating independently then after that we saw okay there is a good chemistry and if we combine everything together it will not only bring our cost down we can increase uh, the potential of each, uh, mm-hmm. each we can use everyone's potential uh, so that's when we merged together uh, that became a big news in in dubai right when one broker group we we had that merger uh, that story mm-hmm. everyone was talking about it everyone was starting from the biggest developer in dubai mm-hmm. was approaching us to the smallest real estate broker was uh, getting scared okay what next so we literally uh, kind of took the market by storm it's like okay what are these boys up to and all of us had started kind of from zero all of us were self made and all of us had a very good name and reputation in the market and when we came together we start initial phase was great uh, what i learned from it was <clears throat> sometimes you have a vision in your life then you you set a plan 
to achieve uh, your vision. You so, but vision and plan is is a second part. But the most important part is the execution. Um, what we kind of uh, I would say failed. I'm not getting a better word. Uh, what we failed in was the execution part. Uh, it came to a point where in um, my bank accounts we had a, a dispute within the partners in the partnership. Uh, uh, my bank accounts got frozen. The company's license got frozen. Uh, I was sitting on about 1.9 million cost a month. So how do I continue with this? I had two choices. Either I say, okay, I'm leaving. Thank you so much. Take everything. Because you cannot sustain 1.9 million cost a month. And you cannot sustain it for three, four months. Mm. Uh, <coughs> so I tried to sit down. Um, I tried to counsel uh, uh, between the partners. It was, um, uh, it was meant to break that time. And uh, uh, tried my best. So every day I would go to either to 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 lawyer's office or to the economic department or to uh, RERA or to uh, Ministry of Economics uh, and you name the police station. I would be everywhere. Uh, so trying my best. It was a very tough time for us. Uh, and and at the end of the day, I was the CEO. I was the one who was being given charge by everyone. Uh, and. Uh, I would be the one who would uh, represent the company everywhere. Uh, going back and forth, and ultimately, uh, there were some partners who said, okay, we cannot continue with this, we're going out. And it, it was a good idea to come together to provide a solution for developers. Right. So I, I get that. I remember the first development going into the office, that was at the Habtur City place, right. wasn't it? And I remember walking into a room with everybody and within 30 seconds, I'd worked out that there was more ego in that room between everybody than I'd ever seen in any room ever in my life. <laughs> 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 and, and I literally, my, my first thought, because I was introduced to you through yeah. Ross, wasn't I? Right, right. So my first thought was, how the hell are this lot going to work together? Yeah. That was, and I didn't know most yeah. of you, so I knew you, Seema and Ross, and yeah. yeah, yeah, that's about it. So I'm sitting there thinking, how the hell are you guys going to get on with each other based around the ego? Right. Did you sense that at the beginning at all? Did you? There was was there a part of you that was sitting there thinking that there's a there's a lot of uh, kind of headstrong people here. Uh, see, it was uh, it was from a very beginning. Uh, uh, all of us knew that uh, uh, that the people all our all partners have a very strong personality uh, everyone had as i said had started from zero and everyone had kind of achieved that uh, uh, status so everyone and had gone from nothing they created something yeah. and they all had their own way of doing things absolutely absolutely so that was kind of a beauty of it it was like a blessing in disguise so some, uh, all time. of us had different ways. Yeah. Uh, all of us uh, had, uh, you know, different beliefs. We came from different uh, school of thoughts. And uh, that's what we thought <laughs> initially would be uh, the most beautiful thing. You now we come from different, uh, different thoughts. We can put all our thoughts together, keep our egos aside. If we would have just kept our egos aside, we could have uh, been a little better. I'm sure we could have, uh, by now, we could have been ruling 
the place. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, we learned from it. Who was the first, who was the, uh, one of the group, one yeah. of the company in the group said, right, that's it, I don't want to be part of it anymore. What triggered that? Uh, <clears throat> uh, there were factors, uh, 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 internal and external factors that kind of triggered that. Uh, but, but they, were they financially related or they relationship related? Were they those were, uh, opinion related? Those were uh, <coughs> uh, financially uh, related and uh, it, it was more of a personal, uh, personal thing. Uh, between one or two people within the group? Yes, yes. Okay, so yeah. again, so it was between, again, you don't have to mention it started names, with uh, It started with two people, but between two people, a bit of a clash, and... Uh, then it became then, bigger. Then it became bigger. And someone said, actually, I don't want to be part of this. Yeah. Now, was it easy for that one company or person to reverse out of the equation? Was that an easy thing for them to do, or did they make commitments that they... That, that meant they couldn't just walk away if they wanted to? Well, it was uh, it was the best thing they could have ever done for themselves. To be part of it? No. Oh, to be part of it, yes. And they got a good price for it when oh, they when went they, out. When yeah. they left. Yeah. Uh, did they? Okay. And when that happened, considering you had been placed in charge as the CEO, right. when that happened, what, what, what kind of message did that send to you? What did you start thinking? Was it, you know what, this kind of shit happens and this is business and so we'll just take it as with a pinch of salt? Or did you start to read into this that there was, there was something bigger potentially at play or there could be bigger problems because of it? I could not, uh, uh, I could not really sense the foul play at that time. I, I, was, I, I was, as a CEO, I should have been a little more cautious. Uh, I was a little naive. Uh, and I was trying to fix uh, things. So that's another thing that I learned, you know, when you have uh, a wound, you fix it that time. Mm -hmm. If it, you know that uh, this wound cannot be fixed, you cut your hand. Mm -hmm. You will not, uh, don't let the poison go uh, and affect all your body. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in business, that's what, uh, that would be my advice to the fraternity, or especially to the realist fraternity inside. You see something, you see a, a problem, just cut the problem. Don't wait to fix it. Yes, if it is something which is fixable, fix it. Put your effort, put your best efforts, but put a timeline. If I'm not able to fix it by then, I'm cutting it. Yeah, there's no point putting a yeah. band-aid over with a yeah. broken bone, is there? True. Um, so yeah. that 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 the one of the one of the the five companies says, right, I don't want to be part of this journey anymore. You sat there and thought, okay, let's keep going. We had no other choice. We had made. But was it? But did the, then the other four sit around and go? Do you know what? We're together. Fuck him, and and let, let, let's stay united. Yeah. 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 That's what happened. That's what happened. So we started. So we started like that. Said, okay, let's do. Let's four of us be together. Then four. <coughs> four became three. Three became two. And all because people lost, uh, uh, these people <coughs> lost faith in what. <coughs> this original great, originally great idea, they lost faith in what that could be. Uh, see, because uh, conceptually, I, I conceptually, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. At the beginning of the journey, as you presented it just now, right. conceptually, that makes a lot of sense. Developers don't have a direct sales yeah. force. They need one. The four or five companies come together, provide that kind of almost turnkey solution. Right. There's a lot of logic there. Priority change uh, for people uh, and... Uh, 
I, one thing I also learned that not everyone would be able to take amount of pressure uh, or responsibility that you as an individual would uh, would take. So people. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, so people have uh, sometimes people cannot cope up with pressure, and uh, does not make them a bad person. It's just that their body or their brain cannot take that much of pressure. That's exactly what happened. Uh, so I was kind of I could absorb things, uh, and I could take some pressure, and. Uh, uh, because of my previous experience, I had gone through a tough phase before in my life, mm -hmm. and I had experienced uh, a, you know downfall before. So I could I could take the pressure, but others could not. You know, it's like first time for someone, and uh, even losing a small amount would be big for them. Uh, and for me, it was like okay, not a big deal. Move on. And uh, some so of them so tell me <coughs> about t based upon this then happening this domino effect where one at a time it became four, three, two, and then yeah. became one and back to you again. What what was it like at home? Uh, how, how did it impact upon your relationship with your wife? How did it impact upon your relationship with your son? So uh, for the first uh, three months, like this this whole episode stretched like for four months. Uh, four months we had. Is like that is that all it took? Four months. Four months. It? Four months. Wherein my, it actually took longer than that. But four months was like when my accounts were blocked, license is blocked, everything is done. You cannot have an access to anything. And four months of consistently going to all the legal authorities around. So when I, when I would go back home, I would make sure that before I enter that door, I keep all my problems outside. So I would not, uh, so for f first two months or three months, no one in my family knew about uh, what's happening. It was at, uh, literally at the last phase when everyone in the market started talking about it. And uh, that's when uh, they learned it. So I had not, I had not uh, uh, told them anything. I had not shared. Didn't want to give them that pr pressure. Uh, what I believe in is if, if I would share it with my uh, uh, my loved ones, okay, am I really expecting them to do anything? They wouldn't do. They would not be able to do anything in that case. It was the the matter was in the court. They they won't do anything. I I'm, would would by me sharing it with them, I would just put them in stress. Mm -hmm. Brings no benefit to them. Brings no benefit to me. Uh, so I said, okay, let me take it. I'm handling it anyways. I'm taking the stress anyways. So let me be the one taking the stress. Why to share it? Why to pass my stress to someone else and let that person, uh, let it be my wife or my mother or my father? My father, after I resolved it, that's when he uh, learned a, a small story of it. That's all. And did, um, did your <coughs> wife say to you that she felt that you were different through that period? Yes, she after and, after and the and event. Yeah. My wife has known me since uh, since we were like I think six seven years old, and we were studying we were studying together in the same school, uh, so she she understands me well. So she knew that I am going through this thing, and she also knew that I'll I'll handle it. She knew that okay, he will handle it. Uh, so how was how was your ego or your 
pride impacted by all of this? See, uh, now, I'm not a guy with an ego, uh-huh. but I am definitely someone with pride. Towards the end, there were circumstances. I mean, there were, uh, there were chances wherein I had to compromise or I, had with, I could have compromised. I did not choose to compromise. And uh, was that because of pride or because it was the right thing to do professionally? It was, uh, firstly, it was, I'll be honest, it was more of a pride. And secondly, it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm not going to accept something which is not right. What will happen? I will go back to zero, minus, be it. I'm not scared of it. I'm not going to go back, sit down and cry that I lost everything. Okay, I lost it. I'll make it, I'll, I'll make it again. And this time I'll make it better because I know my mistakes now. Okay, well then while we're on that subject, there will be people listening to this that might be either in a similar position or or embarking on a similar journey in a different industry, a different country. What advice could you give? Let's say say now you know everything you know and you went back and started again today. So we go back three years. And we start again today, and the conversations start with Masood right. about let's let let's form this. Now you know all of this. What would you do differently? Uh, as I said, uh, one thing that I would go back and do differently was uh, like we had a good vision, we had a good plan, our execution was wrong. So when you execute your plan and you fail, be ready for it. You will fail. 100% you will fail. Okay. Have a plan B. Have a plan C. You And you keep changing your plan. You keep changing your strategies, but you never change your goal. Mm-hmm. You never change your vision. Mm-hmm. So keep your vision there, but keep on altering your plans. Keep on altering your strategies, but make sure that your implementation of your strategies is is there. Do you think that the based around the leadership of the business when it was a group, do you think you'd structure the leadership differently if you had your time again? Uh, yes, uh, I, 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 was, I should have taken some decisions uh, and I should have stood by my decisions as a leader because I was the one who was responsible for it. Mm. And, and they uh, made you responsible, uh, didn't they? They made they, me responsible yeah. for it. But um, I kind of, because of uh, the partnerships that, uh, that I had and the map within my partners, uh, it was uh, it was an ego battle between few people, and wherein I was just trying to resolve it, and uh, all of us uh, got uh, uh, hit by it or affected by it. So I could have I could have handled it uh, back then. Uh, and is it like a messy divorce where you don't like your ex-wife for a while, but sometimes you can end up being friends again in the future? Uh, see, as I said, uh, was it? I'm I'm never uh, never that? scared of uh, a loss, but this one, uh, uh, it was uh, one of those movies wherein you have a bit of a uh, suspense, thriller, betrayal, and action. <laughs> so uh, I still speak to a lot of my partners. Okay. I still speak to them, uh, and we we're still very good friends. Uh, some of them I have a bit of, uh, um, you know, I'm a little upset. So. Here you are back again. Essentially, you kept the name One Broker Group, right. and you run your own business now. Right. And you and Masood are the sole shareholders, right. I would suggest. Okay. And how does that feel now? See, it's like every day when I go back to the office and we, I see my team doing good, 
and and uh, I see our numbers are improving, the the overall structure in the company is improving, and I know that we are in the right uh, right uh, direction right now. It feels great. It feels great that okay, and you don't even think about what happened. You just smile about it. Sometimes me and Masood we sit down for a coffee and we we discuss it, and uh, we'll go back. Okay, this is what happened. We smile about it. We laugh about it, and it's and we have no grudges that okay this happened and this did oh, so alhamdulillah we went through it had a good time look we are back again so yeah again we are in the uh, same position wherein we have a big team uh, we we are we are growing we are expanding and we're doing good we're we're doing good when you look at the real estate market here in Dubai considering the topsy-turvy journey it's been on now for right. all of the years, both you and I have been here right. with some dizzying results and some appalling results. Right. However, the huge amount of off-plan property that's coming onto the market, as an expert in that area, for, for the people that are listening that might be considering the Dubai real estate market, what kind of, what can, could you give some tips? What three tips would you give to, to make sure you make the right decisions when it comes to buying a place here in Dubai? What do you need to consider um, about the market and, and the environment? See, uh, the market, the, if you see the fundamentals of Dubai market are still very strong. Uh, last year, I, I read it somewhere, there were about 22,000 or 24,000 new companies that were opened in Dubai. And uh, when you see, if, even if a company uh, has uh, two or three employees, that's enough. And they, they, you need a lot of real estate to accommodate these people. Uh, what, what was missing in this market, if you see uh, back in days, uh, there were no affordable family homes. You would not get a three-bedroom townhouse for a million dirham. You will not get it uh, back in days. You will get, I remember in 2008, Springs two-bedroom townhouse would go for 2.6 million. Mm. Now, you are able to buy a three-bedroom townhouse with, there are two, three big names out there, and they're offering you this for a million dirham. So it, the market has shifted to more affordable luxury. Now you get good value for your money. Uh, so I think right now uh, it's, it is very important for an investor or an end user who's, who's looking to invest in property market right now to, they should not get carried away with these payment plans. It's a payment plan, what developers are offering is very good. Makes it attractive, makes it affordable. But if you cannot afford it, don't go for it. That's the first thing that, okay, I. See, me, if you ask me, I want to have my own private jet. I want to live in the biggest mansion in, in Vegas. Yeah. So, but, but can I afford it? Mm -hmm. uh, that's a, that, that is very important. Uh, I know that, you know, when an investor or an investor goes to and meets, seeks and uh, counsel from an uh, advice from a real estate broker, right? Uh, it's, it's very important for an investor, firstly, to know his own pocket. It's very important, and I've seen people getting carried away with the good presentations and, uh, you know, easy You know what plans. it's almost like? It's almost like years ago when people saw a payment plan, let's say take, take 10, 12 years ago, when people saw a payment plan, 
they wouldn't consider the fact that they were going to be paying the payments all the way through right. because they were going to be selling the right. project. Right. But nowadays, I suppose, with everybody getting involved in a payment plan, they have to understand you're going to be involved in that. Right. There's a really good chance you're going right. to be involved in that all the way through the process. Absolutely. So that's where the, that's where the See, advice of don't, the, don't get in what you can't afford. The market had changed wherein before when there was a huge, huge amount of shortfall in, 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 in property market. So that's why you would see the prices were going up and up and up. Now it's a, it's a more mature market. Do I see uh, the prices going up in this market? Absolutely. In the long term, this is the best market. If you see the geographic location of Dubai, we are three hours to uh, or four hours to the 70% of the world population. You have India and China uh, close to you. You have all the uh, Arab countries around you. It's a perfect location. The the kind of it is one of rather the safest country in the world mm -hmm. right now. Uh, do we get financial opportunities? I don't think anywhere else. To be honest, if you know how to make money, you can have it easier than Dubai. It's a, is the easiest place. It's the most safest place in around the world. Uh, 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 to to live in and to make money in, mm -hmm. we don't pay taxes here. We pay five percent VAT, which is like, which is nothing, mm -hmm. which is nothing. When you, when you have someone coming from India or UK, we we can pay up to thirty eight to forty percent taxes. Mm -hmm. Out here, you're paying five percent VAT. That's all you pay. Mm -hmm. The amount. Of, look at the infrastructure that uh, they are uh, developing. The, there's a long-term plan uh, for, for the country. There is no short-term uh, plan here. You see the infrastructure that they are creating. They're not creating it for today. They're creating it for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. The amount of new theme parks that they are creating, the tourist attraction. Why would Dubai need a frame? For what? It's a tourist attraction. Mm -hmm. People like to see it. People like to visit Dubai. They see it. They admire it. When people see a fountain in front of Burj Khalifa. It's an amazing uh, piece of art. It's very expensive to build something like this. You see these uh, uh, theme parks that Dubai has built. You don't have, people don't have a lot of options around. And coming to Dubai, you have, you can buy your own property in Dubai. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of people coming from uh, the neighboring countries like uh, India. You have a lot of people coming in uh, yeah, Dubai. Great, yeah. Saudi, they're all, uh, they're 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 all they all love Dubai. Don't, they don't have it, yeah. It's like, uh, and if you see in Europe, you have a lot of capitals in Europe, a lot of places that you can go. And if you see in Middle East, with all respect to all the other countries, in Middle East, if you have to choose one name, it's Dubai. Mm -hmm. It's UAE, rather. Mm -hmm. So uh, the government has been very, um, I've seen a good trend uh, when, when, when they started uh, implementing, uh, when they came up with the freehold law. They came up with uh, uh, investors protection laws, escrow accounts they bought in. Uh, when people said it was a bubble, see, to be honest, what we saw in Dubai, what we witnessed in Dubai in the last 20 years, uh, if you go back, we have not witnessed anything like this in the history of mankind. A city coming out uh, of this class and this standard in, in, in less than 10 years or 15 years of span. Mm -hmm. It's phenomenal. And, uh, it's, it's, and all the credit goes to our leadership. The way they think, they're strong, they're bold. The way they think, they're very bold. They're very bold. Sometimes you, when you think, okay, this, now they're going to do this. 
mm-hmm. will they be able to do this and you know you you get scared of uh, mm-hmm. those bold ideas they, they, and then they, when they, they do it yeah it's like wow they think they beyond most people's it. boundaries don't yeah. they yeah they do it is incredible um if people want to talk to you about getting some advice on making the right decision budget wise and uh, you know what types of locations and stuff i know that you've got a whole team that can help you yeah. how, how, how do people if they want to dm you how do they get hold of you where can they find you online so i have a, i have a, a private instagram account uh, which i will share it with you <laughs> it's i omar triple eight I owe a true fillet. Yeah. Okay, fine. We'll put yeah. that on the bottom yeah. there. And then, how do people if they want if they want to find out more about your company and the story? I then? have. Uh, we have our website www.obg.ae. Um, um, they can always uh, uh, they call can us find you there. They, they can find us okay. there so obg.ae so yeah. look out for that company um, if you want to learn more about real estate obviously Umair's uh, been here a long time and knows an awful lot about the marketplace so um, if there's anyone that can share pearls of wisdom then definitely he's a guy to do so So there you have it, my interview with Umar bin Farouk, CEO of One Broker Group. I really hope you enjoyed it. It was worth the time. Uh, You learned a lot more about Umar's story and his industry. And it made you feel, do you know what, that that anything's possible and you know, you can go through challenges and you can get somewhere somewhere too. So a little more about how this interview came about. I met uh, Umar when he employed me to be um, the coach for his business. And I'd met him before a few times, but when he, his, his company was struggling, he said, can you come in and help this aspect of our business? I went in and worked on it, got to know him a bit. Um, and then I started to learn his story. And after learning his story, I just, you know, I felt really empathetic for him. I felt really kind of like, you know what, man, you know, you have a, you've had a bit of a, bit of a tough ride, you know, a few challenges coming away more than most people would have. And I remember during the interview thinking how much more there was to his story and how much it revealed about his life, his personality and his industry and also his character, you know, and how kind and welcoming he, he was and he always is. Um, and he always leaves me, whenever I'm with him, uh, he always leaves me with some real positive energy. I feel very, you know, kind of like in a real comfortable zone after I've spent some time with him because he's just one of these guys that no matter what you throw at him, no matter what challenges he faces, um, he'll always focus on the positive and the good. Now, I saw him again um, recently, uh, and it was his first podcast, actually, so he was a bit nervous, but he enjoyed it an awful lot. And uh, if you ever want to catch up with him online, I'm sure you can find him out there. For me, the key takeaways were um, you can do anything you set your mind to. Number one, no mountain is too big to climb they're quite cliched aren't they but you know he came back you know he fell off a cliff came back not once but twice and kept building because he just keeps looking forward I think that's a really really important thing to remember Um, he understands that he didn't know everything about business and he made mistakes he wasn't perfect and as he's grown a little bit older he's matured into understanding that maybe his ego got in the way once or twice along the way a very protective man as well of his family, kept his problems away from his family um, so that he could deal with it himself. And as he said in the interview, you know, what benefit was it telling my wife? Um, why give her the stress? I might as well deal with it, uh, deal with it myself. 
So if you enjoyed this podcast or you've got any other feedback, as I mentioned, email me at sl at make-it-happen.com or message me on Instagram at spencer.lodge or via Facebook at Spencer Lodge Official. Do drop me a note, okay, on any of those social handles. I'd love to hear anything that you have to say or may have learned or started applying from this or any other episode. If you're feeling extra generous with your time, a five-star review or comments on SoundCloud or anywhere you see this podcast would really help grow the podcast and get it out to more listeners. Now, I look forward to sharing more stories with you on the next episode. But until then, thank you so much for listening. And I'll talk to you again on the next episode of the Spencer Lodge podcast.